Hey guys, welcome back to part two of the Breck Epic. This is the culmination of the entire season. So as our season finale for the podcast, this will be the last episode that you hear from Harley and I until we dig into what is in store for us into 2020. And that's going to be really exciting and excited to share that. But for now, let's dive right back into the Breck Epic. We're picking up right where we left off at the end of stage three and some of the learning points we we picked up after three days through the race, from recovery to schedule and uh, and into the last three stages. So finish the journey with us. It's been a great season. Looking forward to next year. Uh, but for now, let's let's finish off this exciting, exciting adventure. You know, some of the takeaways here also were like that, uh, you know, we're learning that recovery is huge. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, I think that was the biggest thing that it was a it was a main a huge source of stress is like you know you finish a hard day and in your mind because you're done with that day to a certain point you're sitting there thinking like there's no way I could possibly do this again but you have to yeah you know in in if you were to look at this on paper like many people who are maybe thinking about maybe I'll do that next year or do a stage race or something like that on paper it makes no sense so just know that on paper it sounds completely uh, impossible, but your body has a way of just adapting, and then we have a way of finding out what works to get through. And so, you know, after the fact, as we look back at that week, then I asked myself what I do on my current rides. Like since that week, do I do all the warm up routine that I was doing every day? Do I do all the recovery work after? Like I don't do any of that stuff. I know, me either. You know, and wow, what if I did? You know, yeah. how much uh, be, better would things be <laughs> during the program? During that week-long program, we were doing it to a T. Yeah. And so that was a huge, like, midway point. I'm like, dude, this is, we, we, it was stuff we had to do. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, just as much as eating something as soon as you got back right. and eating a good dinner and making sure you're in bed at, like, getting in the Normatex and, you know. So we had, I think there was kind of three pillars of our recovery protocol. Uh, the Normatex are huge. Um so if you guys don't know, Normatech's, Normatech is also like Elevated Legs. Those are the two brands mm -hmm. we were using, Normatech. Um, they were gifted to us by Steven for the week, which was huge. Um, yeah, because these things are what, 1500 bucks yeah, if you buy a pair? Yeah, they're not cheap. And they're, you know, they have um, like six compression chamber compartments. And based on the setting you choose, they're going to compress from your feet all the way up to your hips and help push blood. So basically, it's like automated foam rolling. So yeah. if you don't want to foam roll... And go through the process. You can just lay down, put these in, and it's foam rolling for you. We were doing 20-minute cycles at mm -hmm. a level five, which was deep enough to push it all out, but not so deep to, to turn off the muscles yep. or to kill us. And uh, we were going through it, and we were each doing it. You know, I was doing it twice. I was yeah. doing it once in the afternoon and once in the evening. Yeah. We, were, we were running through cycles of those things yep. quite a bit. So Normatech was huge. Um, the So we got turned on. You got turned on to this stuff called Amp Human Performance. Yep which I had heard about years ago um, and kind of blew it off. Um, and then all I can say is this shit works. Dude, <laughs> you heard about years ago blew it off. I'm listening to the guy who was part of the Pro Peloton at Leadville, talk, part of the Pro Peloton, and he was at Leadville, talked to me about the snake oil. And I'm like, dude, I didn't buy your snake oil, bro. Yeah. Um, and I even get the science behind it. So Amp Human Performance is a, is a lotion that is sodium bicarbonate. So... Sodium bicarbonate has been known for a long time to remove lactic acid from the muscles, uh, thereby allowing the muscles to heal and recover. 
uh, instead of sitting in all that, as we all hear about all the time, like the lactic acid that's making the burn, right? Well, sodium bicarbonate pulls it off of the muscle. The problem is ingesting it creates a boatload of stomach GI distress. So it can just wreck your system. So there's no good way to get it in. So what this cream is, is a lotion that goes directly to the muscle. The bicarb goes directly to the muscle and lives right on the muscle to pull that out. Uh, that molecule is too big to get through the skin layer. And so what Amp Human Performance does is they have infused it with a fat, which then is absorbed by the skin. So the fat can go through the skin, thereby carrying the bicarb to pull the lactic acid out. What you need to hear from all that is it's a super greasy, like liquid That's butter. That's gross to put on. It's disgusting. It's like a liquid butter that you have to shake up and then rub under your legs <laughs> before you work out. And then you uh, rub it under your legs for recovery as well after you work out. And uh, we used the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's gross. It feel it doesn't feel good going on, right? No. <laughs> no. Harley said he goes. <laughs> so I bought three. So okay. So this Brad guy's like, you should you should buy this. And I was like, sounds like bullshit. And then as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, I use CBD and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it kind of masks the pain, helps the inflammation, but it's not performance based. And then as I'm talking to this guy, uh, two specialized pro riders walk up to him on Friday before Leadville and they go, Hey man, I need to get some more of my package. They're sponsored athletes and they get it and they go, Oh, I got to bring so-and-so from Spain, another pro rider. There's no idea what this stuff is like, dude. I, it's unreal how it works for me when I ride. I mean, this is crazy. And I overheard this conversation. I'm like, well, shit, if that guy, I, I want to be pro. And so if that pro thinks that it works, so that's why I ultimately bought, well, I bought three bottles. Yeah. I give Harley a bottle uh, and he tries it, and he's like, I'm just going to need to buy that whole bottle off you because yeah. I'm going to use the whole thing. Yeah. And then he confesses as he uses it. He's like, I just kind of feel like i got to have the door closed and put it on by myself. <laughs> it's not good stuff. Because it's like dirty. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, it's not something you leave on. I definitely like would let it do its thing and then wipe it off. Yeah, 30 minutes on, you can wipe it off. So um, I think Amp uh, goes firmly in the, uh, the products that Harley and Justin use but don't get paid to use and we use our own money to buy it category. Um, yeah, but like, Brad, if you're listening. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, we'll take free stuff too. Yeah, I'm going to shoot you an email. But it, it, it made all the difference. And then uh, we are sponsored by Color Up, but that stuff, I mean, no kidding around the, the, the topical. So I was, doing, uh, I was doing 60 milligrams a day orally just to fight inflammation, and I was going topical on hot spots. Yeah, I was all I so I did the uh I was doing fifty milligrams before bed every night to get quality sleep, help with the inflammation. And then same thing, low back. I was hitting low back, my calves. Mm -hmm. Low back and my calves were the two areas I was nailing with the topical every single night. Yeah. And it it those three things kept it going. For sure. Yep. So uh, so the recovery was I think I I, again, I, I knew, and, and we, we touched on it briefly. So where I'm at at this point in the week is I'm realizing that there's two races every day. There's the mountain bike race and there's the prep race for the next day. Right. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm rapidly going like shit, like the, almost to the point where the last hour or hour and a half that I'm on course each day, I'm like, man, I need to like, I need to hurry up this part of the race to get to the next thing i gotta do um yeah it is very it's very cyclical yeah again each day in its own unique way um but dude like that's all we had to do yeah no and it was <laughs> it's awesome. so cool 
Um, and and I'm also quickly realizing that, and I even told a guy on course, um, the direct quote was, he's like, how are you doing? I was like, you know what, man? I've raced my mountain bike, but I've never done a mountain bike race until now. And, and I think that was a, a real big moment for me where I was like, this is like, this isn't a race. Like this is not a race that you're going to strictly prep for on a road bike. Yeah. You, you, you're mountain biking. Yeah. Um, I, I felt the same way, you know, as you, as you alluded to, I was navigating that, like I'm not really competitive in my field based on some of these situations that have <laughs> happened. Um, I still like the race mentality, but if you love mountain biking and you just want to do a shit ton of mountain biking, mm -hmm. this event is just a shit yeah. ton of mountain biking. And that got me through a lot of moments. Just like take a beat, realize that you're riding awesome single track that on any other day of the week, if you hadn't been doing it for three days prior, you'd just be on cloud nine that you had the opportunity to be right. out there doing it. And I think this next stage, we get into stage four, really, uh, you, you had to have that mindset. Stage four was my darkest day. Yeah, and I think it was for, for a lot of people. I know, so stage four starts, again, in downtown Breckenridge. Mm -hmm. it, it leaves out of town. And actually, the first 10 miles of stage four are awesome. Like, there's a, you actually get really good trail. What this course did a lot of was it would have you ride some of the same trail in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So... On stage four, we got to descend uh, the ZL trail, which is what we had to climb the previous day or two days prior. And uh, it winds and winds and winds. And as you're climbing up it, you're thinking, dude, get me to the top already. But on stage four, we got to ride it downhill. And so you have this like, oh, I know this downhill. This thing goes on for a little while and it's got bermed turns and some jumps. And so uh, we do this awesome section of 10 miles of trail. And then you do another 10 miles. And for me, I didn't know what the second 10 miles did to us until I'm out there at mile 20, riding for a bit past that aid station, and I see a white truck pass me by. It has a Keystone logo yeah. on the door. Yeah. So this is the queen stage, right? This is the queen. Okay. So stage four, it's called Aqueduct, um, 41 miles, and... I'll be damned if it's not another 6,800 feet of climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Got this thing on repeat. And you end up basically riding from Breckenridge to Keystone, and then from Keystone back to Breckenridge. Yeah. Which, if you are a skier or just like a mountain tourist, you think to yourself, like, those two places are pretty far pretty apart. Pretty far apart. Uh, they are. They're technically round trip up, up 41 miles apart. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> so you have this sweet trail, then you have some like kind of so-so trail, Colorado trail, and you end up at Keystone. And then from Keystone, you have a seven-mile climb back up to a ridgeline that'll allow you to reaccess Breckenridge. Yeah. And the first few miles of that climb are fire road. And you are just on a fire road. Now, as we talked about, this bike race is a lot of mountain biking. So and mountain biking beats you up. It's rocky, it's rooty, it's uh, it beats you up. So for a little bit, you're thinking, this fire road's kind of nice. Because you can just pedal, yep. right? And so we're all pedaling, but like anything, you do it for a little while and you're like, well, what's next? Like how many of us are on our phone while we watch TV, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is just not enough entertainment. And so I found myself at that point riding this fire road and thinking, dude, I really wish they'd mix it up. Well, sure, shit, they did. <laughs> yeah. You then cross a river yeah. and uh, end up in a, de like a degraded Jeep road that is kind of single track, kind of double track, degraded Jeep road. 
and it is just a freaking grunt. Yeah, it's a it's a slog, and it's seven miles. And honestly, that was that seven mile stretch was the dark place for me. That I mean, it had to have been. I mean, so I think so. The 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 aid two is at for easy math, call it twenty two miles, and the start of that climbs at twenty two and a half, and. Going through an aid station is always a little bit of a kick in the pants. Like it's you, you're around some people, you stand up. For me, I, I know some people go through them, on, you know, hair on fire. Um, but for me, it's a chance to like I was all the way in on the Beta Red that week. Um, so I would, you know, I had I would stop, I'd slam a whole bottle of Beta Red, I'd get my new bottles, I'd re up on any food that I needed, stand up off the bike for two to five minutes, and so. Coming out of there, I wasn't feeling so bad. But then just somewhere at like the 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 downward downward spiral started. Um but as we've talked about a lot of times, in this particular case, I was already like when it got real bad, I was already halfway up the climb. Right. And at that point it literally is more time riding to quit than it is to keep going. Yeah, there's a lot of those spots where, yeah, exactly. You what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, I've said this so many times, like, you want to ride 100 miles? Go 50 in one direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you have to ride 100 because you got to come home. And that's what a lot of these courses did. You know, you talked about the Firecracker 50, how the multi-lap scenario is not good for you. Yeah. Because you have options. You don't have options. When you're no. in Keystone and you got to get back to Breck. You got to get back to Breck. Like, what the so, fuck do you do? So, you you know, you fight through it. And, and that climb got tough. And, uh, and the weird thing for me... You know, so um, David Goggins, who's, you know, world-renowned endurance guy and, um, you know, his whole thing, he kind of, I don't know if he started it, but he was the first person I ever heard with the 40% rule. When you physically feel like you're done, realistically, you're only about 40% done. Um, I never reached that physical point. It was totally mental. It was, had nothing to do with my ability to make the bike go forward it was a hundred percent. I don't really need the belt buckle. <laughs> like, uh, but you know, and that's that's you know some of the takeaways of this is if you aren't the type of person uh, that can really embrace the highs, you won't survive the lows. Yeah, and that's where you know you talked about each day at the finish line how elated you were to be there and see us and to be just jacked up and hooting and hollering on the downhills. Like if you're able to get that high, even when you're in that really low low, yeah you know that you're going to be able to balance this thing out. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who doesn't really get too high, uh, it's hard. This is going to be a tough event. Yeah. Um, I got pretty high at the end of that climb. I got high at the end of the climb for one reason. Uh, I heard the crunch of gravel behind me about two thirds of the way up that climb. And, you know, I had been riding with some fast guys. It is the first day on the, I was on the SB 100 now on a new bike. So it always feels just a little different, right? Like yeah. the, a, a degree of geometry when people ask like, well, what's the difference between these bikes? And you talk about seat tube angle and head tube angle. Like those things mean something. And I found that out, like just a degree off here or there, using a little bit more hamstring and this doesn't feel quite the same here or there or whatever. So I spent a lot of that day figuring that out and I finally found a rhythm and I hear a crunch of gravel behind me. No noise other than that. And I look back and I'm like, what the? Because no one was around me, you know? And I look and I see there's a UCI pro. This guy was amazing. There's a UCI pro from Japan that was in the race. And uh, 
he races, he's, he's also deaf. So he's a deaf racer, UCI pro from Japan. And I look back and it happens to be that guy. And he's on my ass. Now, I'm thinking like, do you want to get by me? Like, where, like, where did you come? How did you catch up to me? And so I'm kind of like going to like wave and by me. So first off, me aside, imagine being a deaf mountain biker would be super challenging. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) To be a deaf mountain biker would be super challenging, right? You would have to try to figure out how to freaking navigate everything, right? Like if you're a deaf mountain biker though, the compressor that just turned on at base camp <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't bother you at all. You're yeah. thinking to yourself, I don't even hear that. Yeah. You also didn't hear the rest of the episode. But he he's on my tail and I can't communicate with him. Hey man, you want to pass me? Do you want to uh do you do you want to get by? I I can't communicate. So I just keep riding, but he is on my ass. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I'll just keep going. And we make our way through there. We get to the descent finally, and I end up sending it, and, and I don't see him again. But at the finish line of stage four, when I finally came through that thing, yeah, he came through maybe 25 minutes later. Sure. And we had this, like, still can't communicate. Can't communicate. Two, two language barriers. Totally. <laughs> Huge language barriers. <laughs> and we end up having uh, this, like, bro hug bond. I didn't know, like, Japanese dudes bro hugged. Yeah. Uh, like... But- they hey, do. There's a universal language in the in the bro hug. Dude, apparently. <laughs> and uh, we ended up doing this bro hug, and it had this bond through that, like, very challenging section of trail. Yeah. Um, ultimately learned out, he was interviewed at the end of the episode, or at the end of the series, he's not a good technical rider. Mm-hmm. So I know he's on my ass because he needed he's to be. He's following a wheel. He's following a wheel to get through that. And yeah. so uh, that was one of the beauties. For me, that was the beauty of stage four was this, Ability to, that every one of us out there, and they talked about that on the first day of racing meeting, like, this is the super filter, filter, filter of everyone on the planet. Yeah. Like, you are all so similar and so uh, uh, akin to one another. So be like that out there. And I felt that kinship w- yeah. with this guy. Uh, and now is just as good a time as any. I didn't, with the exception of the one nasty lady on the pink Cannondale, I did not run into or have to deal with a single negative person on the course um everybody was friendly from the racers to the the aid and support staff um you know the volunteers everybody was happy to see you um and so that that filter of the filter of the filter um is so 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 prevalent out on course. I mean, you're, I think at the high point of the race, there was 500 people. Um, and at, you know, you fall into your groups and, you know, it's, you really are riding with 500 of your best friends. Um, and that in and of itself can be kind of uplifting. Cause when you see, you know, you kind of see the same people every day. Um, so, there was that that dark place for me was a defining moment because that's when I kind of had a uh, like a my my indignation is what got me through that day when I was when it was when it was dark and it was you know do I need the belt buckle like you know what I bet there's a lot of people out there that are have maybe doubted my ability to do this or complete this the hell with them I'm getting this done. Yeah, and, and 
at this point, you've proven you can because we're over 100 miles at this point. Fuck. Well over. Yeah. And so you're grinding. So st- stage four is definitely the hardest day for me. Um, overcoming new bike, uh, a huge day of like just kind of some grinding go. Yeah. I thought it was so absurd at the racer meeting that night that uh, Mike was like, the race director would kind of do a recap each day. And he's like, you know, this was like a good day. You guys just got to go out there and just kind of hammer. And I'm like, bro, have you ever ridden this freaking course? Like <laughs> that shit was not a hammer. That no. was a, a bit of a beat down because even when you descended off that, you had more climbing of just like these steep punches. So stage four, a lot of fun in the sense that I almost felt like for me, once I got through that, I go, I'm kind of on the other side. Yeah. Because um, we have two stages left. We have two stages we had. I mean, it was a combined, between the two stages, I think it was less than 55 miles over two days. Yeah. And so we're, we're and at this point, we're seasoned. Like, we're hitting 40 mile days back to back to back to back. Yeah. Let's go. So we got two days left, and we're going to roll into stage five. And you're thinking, okay, the last two days, you're on the backside of it. And on purpose, they make stage five notorious. And when I say notorious, I mean, they have in their, uh, in their retail section, they have shirts you can buy just that for are that day. just for stage yeah. five. Like I survived Wheeler Pass. Yeah. Stage five is the infamous Wheeler Pass stage. Now, I never in my life have I underestimated a ride like I underestimated Wheeler. I knew it was predominantly a hike a bike at a certain point. I knew that we were gonna summit a twelve and a half thousand foot peak and a thirteen thousand foot peak. I knew that at some point, even the pros walked. Um, I went to bed the night before. You know, you just, you, you're kind of, all right, what's my, what does tomorrow look like for me? And I looked at all my race data for the previous four days and kind of looked at what my average speed was and even understanding that it was a lot of hiking. I'm like, gosh, shit. I mean, like, you know, what, a, a four and a half hour day? <laughs> so wheeler Bitch, pass, please <laughs> wheeler pass is only 25 mile a day yeah 24 24 miles 5500 feet of climbing so those that 5500 feet of climbing comes out you at a pretty good clip because yeah. the last seven miles is the peaks trail from frisco to breck mm-hmm. and that peaks trail in that direction only gains feet? yeah eight to nine hundred feet yeah so subtract that off there you got this 4400 feet of climbing yeah in the first eight miles Really? Yeah, it's straight up so brutal. Um, I, I even so that day started totally different. It was our first day we had start waves. Yeah, so because they're going to be at mandatory hike and bike, they know that the trail's going to get congested and clogged. So they took your uh, finish time for the day before, Mm -hmm. and then they started you in ten rider waves on the minute, every minute after the pros start. So the pros start at eight o'clock, and then the UCI pros, then the UCI women. And then you go from your start times. And so, you know, I was assigned a specific start time, and as was Roger, and, yeah. and as was Harley. And so we weren't together at the at start. At all, at any point. But uh, they call, they got to call your names up. Everyone yep. got their name called. Yep. And then you it was like, ups, it was three, two, one, go, and 10 riders yeah. haul the mail. Yep. Um, so completely foreign start. Yep. And that was the first time for me that I got to have what I call a race start. Right. Because, and not to take anything away from the other days, but the other days we started this mass group and it's like, we're all hanging out and then we each find our own way. Right. This is like, no, the people around you right now, like you actually can race these dudes. Yeah. Like, and this is, it, it felt more like that, more of like a race start, felt like a cyclocross start for me. 
And so I loved it. Yeah. Because I got to go race mode. I, I liked it just because I knew. So it was a little weird. Um, I knew the day before I had such a bad day. I had, a, a, I, I finished late. And so I started with people that weren't 100% at my ability level. Not that I'm some, you know, blazing fast racer. Just these people were a little bit slower than me. Right. And so even within my 10-person start group, I still had to work my way through some people. Right. And for the first four miles of that day, I felt like a rock star. I felt, <laughs> and it wasn't even like, it, I kind of phrased that or put that together a little. It didn't have to do with the fact that I started with people who were a little bit slower than me. Because once I got past those people, I was riding with people of my ability level. Um, but I had, I had kind of had a really bad day, had a good recovery, and now I was feeling really good. Um, you know, physically, mentally, I'd kind of made it through that. And, uh, so for the first four miles, I, I felt amazing, like physically, like the legs were working. I wasn't having any low back pain. Um, everything just felt awesome. Um, and then, uh, somewhere around, uh, oh, I don't know anywhere up there. <laughs> just let's just cut to the bowl. Let's just yeah, cut to it. Yeah. What did Wheeler pass do to you? What did it do to me? Yeah. It pissed me off. That's what it did to me. <laughs> I mean, you spent a lot of time walking your bike. A ton of time walking. And I get, so there's, I have very mixed feelings about Wheeler because it doesn't, I'm, I'm in a bike race and Wheeler isn't a bike race. It gauges my ability to hike with a 25 pound piece of equipment next to me. And so and 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 that holds true to a certain like the pros eventually start walking. Right. No, right? everyone does. It's, it's everyone at like, point. And so they put it in there because it's hard as shit, and this race is supposed to be hard as shit. And so I get that, but it's also frustrating because it doesn't gauge my ability to ride a mountain bike. It gauges my ability to hike with a mountain bike. Right. Um. That said, you got really angry right there. <laughs> Like I kind of was fast tracking you on that a little yeah. bit. Like, let's just cut to it. How yeah. do you really feel? And you just like got like you. That was, but like, even but and then here's the amazing thing about the, this whole experience for me it was even as angry as I was when I got up to the top of it, there was bacon and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, there were people in hazmat suits handing yeah. out freshly cooked bacon and whiskey at the top of Wheeler Pass. Yeah, and I, I stopped and enjoyed both. <laughs> uh and if you to anybody that does this race you are going to hit every emotion you have um and in that moment for most of that part of that that day it was anger and frustration but when i got to the top of wheeler i just stopped and looked out over where we were and it was a cure all yeah, it was. So there are a few amazing things up there. Um, at the top of Wheeler Pass, they had bacon and whiskey. At the top of Wheeler Pass, uh, two, a couple, two, a, a single speed couple, male and female couple, uh, that both work for Dirt Rag Magazine, got married yep. during the race. So uh, they get to the top, and one of their buddies jumped off their bike and married them on, on top of Wheeler Pass. Um, as you were making the traverse from Wheeler Pass to Mount Goldamit, uh, properly dubbed about <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, fighter jets flew over top of the race. Yeah. 
Now the race didn't pay for that. I think that's a little out of budget. It just happened. But it just so happened that there were fighter jets yeah. that passed overhead. Uh, and then you're at the final top top, yeah. and you have a seven-mile downhill of Miner's Creek, which, and you mountain bikers listening to this podcast are, are going to throw up in your mouth a little bit. It's so much downhill that you're totally done doing downhill. Like, can I not downhill anymore? It's burly. <laughs> like, you you're waiting, You need a break from downhill. Miner's is, is burly. Um I even had moments of frustration there where it's just like, can I get can I get 10 feet of not having to like think about riding my bike? So what you're learning is that at points in time when you get tired, you really start to become like you really are demanding like this perfect thing. <laughs> can I just get like clouds with unicorns for just like like can I get this impossible thing for just a second? Um but those are the stories you tell yourself when you're yeah. alone yeah. and you're out there and you're trying to kind of you're fighting, you know, yeah. you're fighting. Um but you finish that up, you get through this last aid station, yep. and you have Peaks Trail, which again, insert our third visit to the uh, the mountains. Yep, you've done Peaks Trail. Yep, I've done Peaks Trail. I've done that. And the, the frustrating thing again on a frustrating day, the frustrating like cap to the day is to do Peaks Trail in the boring direction. Yeah, it is the bad <laughs> way. If you're gonna ever ride Peaks, ride it from uh, well, do it around. Do it trail. as an out of back. Yeah, yeah. But the Breck to Frisco is the better direction. Yeah, we raced it from. Frisco to Breck. Yeah, so it's pretty much climbing with a little bit of descending here and there. And um, and even still, again, like I sound like a broken record. There are even moments where like in my frustration, like you get some woohoos and they, I mentioned a very specific little root jump, like root gap out of some trees right at the very end. And like you find these ways to have these little moments of like, all right, this is fine. Um. With all that I was battling, not to not to say that I had a harder race than anyone else did, because we all had our own challenges. Nobody had an easy day. Um, but in the race total at this point, I kind of felt, if I was doing math, which I, I kind of gave up on doing math, but if I was doing math, I kind of felt like I had a two-hour and 45-minute uh, you know, ankle weight on my time mm -hmm. from the delayed start to the broken bike. And so I knew I was like, globally out of out of the race contention for a spot and that's what, neither you nor I were really paying too much attention to that but I did want to be able to give one day like be like dude I, I was able to get because I just came off at Leadville I gave it everything and I wanted to have that same sort of day Wheeler Pass was that day for me because unlike your hike a bike relationship I know that I can hike I mean that's what's what Abby and I do as yeah, well so yeah. um for me, I distilled that race down to, to one thing. It was, for me, a five-mile race. That whole 24-mile stage was a five-mile race because I knew if I got those first five miles done before as many people as possible, no one's going to pass me on the hiking and no one's going to pass me on the descending. And so I distilled it down to a five-mile race. So if you if I looked at my heart rate data, I nuked myself for the first five miles and I ended up putting up uh, my best finish, which... I had a stacked category. My best, I got seventh in the cat ones on that day. That was the very best riding I could have ever put together. And I went full gas race mode. I mean, that's a good day. You're day. a really strong descender too. And I think the hiking is part of it, but that Miner's Creek, if you don't know how to ride a bike, oh, dude, you're boned because you're going to be freaked out because it's off camber. It's yeah. exposed. There's scree fields. There's, there's switchbacks where I'm using front brake to nose manual and turn my rear. And drop down into like, like, there were like some of those type of, and yeah. a lot of people are walking it, you know? Getting down the tree line from the top of that second peak was 
treacherous. Yeah, that's it's, it was legit biking, and uh, so that was my day. So I I gave I gave absolutely everything I had to stage five. Nice. And in in a race mentality, and just freaking went for it. Uh, when I came through that finish line, I, I was I was proud of like this is the best that I had. And then we got to ride downhill on pavement right to, to the condo. To the condo. Yeah, right, right to the condo. Um, which set us up for that after race, like kind of, dude, we just did what they called the hardest thing. Yeah. We're through it. Um, do we have one more day? Yeah. Uh, we got stage six and and, and we we're at the we're at the end of this journey. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that I was I couldn't have been my my exclamation when I came flying up to the house and let out a big Ric Flair woo was just being done with that fucking day. Dude, he <laughs> Harley came in so happy. Again, like every day you finished with such an amount of elation that uh it was exactly what I was hoping the event would be, which was this is just an awesome time. Dude. That's really what it like boiled down beginning to. Beginning to end, it was I mean, the race itself was cool. And yeah, the, I'm super happy I have that little Chinese made piece of metal. But the experience was unlike anything else. It is it's a very it's very unique to at, you know, on the Eva forty, um, uh, and me just not too far behind you, to be able to to just disappear from real life and just be a kid on a bike for six days. It's really the essence of the race. Yeah, it's um, huge. Really is. So uh, uh, we go into the final day. Yeah, this is the last day of the race, and it's so funny. So it's it's this trail called Gold Dust, um, or the the stage is called Gold Dust, um, and uh, it's twenty nine miles. It's four thousand feet of climbing, and they tell us that it's the easy day, um, which is hilarious, right? You know, to think of 30 miles and, and 40 feet of 40 or 4,000 feet of climbing, um, as an easy day, uh, is kind of comical. Um, it begins and ends at the ice rink in Breckenridge. Um, and there's kind of two high points on the day. Um, the first one comes about 10 miles in and the second one comes at about 22 miles in. Um, and it's another day that we go off in in start waves. Uh, the start waves are based off of your finishing time the day before. Now, despite having a wildly frustrating day, I actually had a pretty decent finish um, on Wheeler. And so I got to start a little bit earlier in the day. Um, and the first climb uh, happens to be revisiting the Aspen Alley uh which we did as a descent on the very first day. Um, and going up Aspen Alley, climbing up Aspen Alley, um, not nearly as fun as going down it, that's for certain. Funny uh, how trails work that way. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know exactly how this trail is the right way. Yeah. Um, but all told, not, not that bad of a, uh, not that bad of a, uh, of a climb rather. Um, and this is one of the days where they finally give us some top, some soft tosses. Um, now, I think, so the one thing I want to, before we go all the way into the stage, one of the things that I really want to point out was Roger's day. Because Roger had been, with completely unintentionally, had been hovering in the top 15 of his age group. Um, and he had really, I think, didn't show up to be 
I think he showed up to 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 race and have a good time and complete it. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's funny how that works out, though, right? Well, when you find yourself in a certain spot, changes entirely. Changes a whole bunch of so shit. So Roger's temperature changed from this is such a good time and this is such an experience <laughs> and to like. Well, uh, so it looks like I'm this many minutes behind this guy. Yeah. And this, like, he got really focused yeah. on position, which any one of us, I think, would have if yeah. we were outperforming maybe our initial expectation. Right. And so we went to bed the night before stage six, and I had looked at the results, and he was just like, like, sickeningly just tapping reload on his page to get the results <laughs> up until the point he started to shut down for bed. And I pull up the results, and I look at him, and I go, Roger, like, you're pretty much where you are. Yeah. Right. The only thing you can do is lose position. Well, because he unless, was unless he was in fifteenth. Right. Fourteenth was like a couple, like six minutes or four minutes. Right. Or, it was a very like he could move, he could easily move into fourteenth, but thirteenth was way the hell. It was like off. an hour and a half ahead, or, uh, or no, not no. that far, but like it fifty was, something. It was 15, no, it was like fifteen minutes. He okay. ended in thirteenth. So he uh, had, and then the guy ahead of them was like way really the hell far. out. So yeah, it was yeah. like. The best you can do is get to this point. Yeah. But the worst you can do is lose. He could have yeah. lost like four spots. Yeah. So he had to put it into it. He did. Now, again, we did get, not that it was an easy day by any stretch of the imagination, but we finally just got, I mean, this, the, the last big climb, which is long, um, you know, call it 15 mile, 15, so seven mile climb. On the yeah. second half? It was pretty much like a six-mile climb and then a crazy long descent. Yeah. And then a seven-mile climb and a crazy long descent yeah. to the finish line, which is very Colorado-appropriate style of riding. Yeah. Um, so, but this was the perfect kind of terrain for Roger to turn it on. Because he could just sit and just hammer on the fire roads. Yeah. To go um, And I'm willing to bet, because, okay, so I'll spoil it for you. Um, he bridged the 16 minutes between himself and 15th and the guy that was in 13th. Right. And put like another six into the guy. So that's a lot of time to make up. Okay. So here's the deal. I was just, it was, I was beating Roger by well over an hour every day. Right. Right. Like my time was hour to an hour and a half, hour 40 ahead of Roger every day. Yeah. I only got him by like 15 minutes on the last day. He buried himself. He buried himself. And when I, when I, like, cause I text a guy's come back with the truck. Yeah. He's like, oh, I've been finished since such and such time. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like he just buried himself today. His face showed it. Well, and then I was worried <laughs> about rushing back and he was not worried about me getting there. Because he all. was not moving. He was done. He was all the way emptied out. He did yeah. everything a bike racer should do. On the, on the last day of an event yeah, was... He rung he, it out. He took all the training he'd done with Taruki. He'd put all the miles he'd put onto those damn rollers that he brought and never used. <laughs> uh, all, all the effort, all the grit he'd built over the last year, and he just rung it out completely. Um, and it was it was impressive to see. Um, it was actually pretty inspiring to see because he, he made something of... He made something of that accomplishment. And his buckle... Not any different than ours, but man, he earned that last day. Oh, he did all the way. Um, it was a great day. I had a lot of fun. Um, the hardest thing for me at that point in the race was that um, he uh, or that my ass just didn't want to be on the seat anymore. Um, 
Well, yeah. So the the thing with that is, yeah, it's 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 the last day, yeah. and and for me, I I wasn't all about the results, but I did look at where I was, and I and I realized like I'm not really going to move a whole lot. I'm not here for results, and I wanted to enjoy the last day. Yeah, and so. I started with hammering and kind of backed it up a little bit and said, dude, enjoy the trail. Yeah. And I had like one of my, I had such an enjoyable mountain bike ride and I really only finished about 10 minutes off the time I, I would have if I raced. Right. And just had a great kind of came to the finish line. Like, dude, that was sweet. Yeah. It was a great day. Um, the, the aid station, the last second aid station was the same as the first aid station. And I, uh, I stopped and had the PBR that they had up there. Um, well, that, that was pretty funny. At the top of the at the top of the deal, they had people on the way out handing out chunks of donuts, and on the way back handing out cans of PBR. And I think what the whole vibe was was just kind of to celebrate it. And that spills over, and we'll, you know we'll wrap up because we one one do you guys to walk through this with us? But really, the the apex of this whole journey is that. After you finish stage six, everyone who stands there now, like we had auto-filtered, sure, we filtered the people around us and said, everybody's into this. But at the end of the day, we got to say we all finished. We all made it. Yeah. And there were, uh, coming across that finish line was the highest of high points. The highest of highs. And the only thing left now to do is go and celebrate. Yep. Buckle so, time, baby. Buckle time. We got the buckle. Um I got to ask, and it's just been something that like, even like during the week at Breck Epic was something that was on my mind. Was there a point in this year, especially maybe after Firecracker 50, where there was some doubt that I would complete Breck Epic? Oh, bro. Like, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) No, like, so... And I, I I I don't know why I asked this as a curio- a point of curiosity for me. Okay, so here here's the deal. Um, and I was actually talking about this in the gym just today. Real goals, and we've talked about it on the podcast. Real goals should transform your identity. Like if you hit a real goal, it should change who you, who you are. Like some some people have a goal, like I want to be a parent, right? It's a long process, and and when you finally <clears throat> hit that point. Um, and you become a parent, it changes you from what I gather forever. Like you are, you're not like, Oh, I hit that goal. And then I'll figure some things out and see what the next goal is. That's what happens. A lot of times people make goals that don't mean a lot. They'll say something like, I want to lose five pounds or I want to travel to Spain or whatever it is. Right. And you do that thing. And then people ask you afterwards, like, well, what are you going to do next? And you're like, I don't know. You know, I just, I hit that mark and I just kind of, I'm going to sit in it and enjoy it for a bit and let things settle down. And then I'll reassess kind of what my next thing is. And I think of that as like a parabolic curve where you have these goals and then you have this like come down. Mm-hmm. You have these goals and you have this come down. There are other goals that when you complete them for the rest of your life, you're different. Um, for you, you want to do buy single track factory. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it didn't work out. You went a different route. And now we are where we are now. And you're now a business owner. And that's the first time you've ever been that. Mm-hmm. You're fundamental. Think about how many ways you think differently because you're an owner instead of a general manager. Right. You're fundamentally different. Okay. You haven't had a fundamentally different moment 
in the way that Breck Epic can make you fundamentally different. Sure. You've had hard days. Mm-hmm. You've done Leadville. Yeah. Right? You've done long events. I train every day. I don't ever take a day off. Not saying that it's good or bad or otherwise. But I was pretty confident I was going to be able to ride six days in a row, hard or otherwise. No, you you never have. Yeah. So yeah, was there times where I'm like, dude, this is going to really put you against it? <laughs> but I'll tell you, it wasn't after but the first couple of days or a few days. Again, I'm circling back to it like you were you were not yourself. The normal self. Right. You were stupid, crazy, gleeful, happy. Not that you're Debbie Downer. No, no. <laughs> but you were so it was so different. Yeah. Um, so part way to do it, I was like, he's definitely gonna do it. Right. But yeah, no, prior to that. <laughs> Especially after Sorry for the long answer. It's okay. But I want to validate I just, yeah. I just know yes. that there was and and it I know it doesn't come from a point of you being a dick, but I just know that I know that you were disappointed in the decision that Colin and I made at, yeah, at Firecracker. Like, yeah, like yeah. you 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 held it to your vest really well. Yeah, that that day and the next day, I'm like, ain't no fucking way this guy's doing Breck Epic. <laughs> he can't even do two laps in the Firecracker 50. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like that's in, in my heart, in my yeah. side, insides. Uh, so I, I was just like, you know, as, I mean, you're my friend. Yeah. You're my racing buddy. Um, but you're also my coach. Yeah. And so I, I, it was just a curiosity thing. But does that make sense? What I mean, like yeah. you've never had, you've never made, no. you've never had to make that jump. Physically, I've never been up against it right. the way that we were that week. And what I think is even, even is even crazier. Unless you were lying to me, uh, it wasn't physical for you. No, I mean physical in the sense that it was there, but the biggest hurdles, and that's why I just had to keep like the, at the beginning. I was convincing myself that I was having fun. And maintaining a positive attitude. And then it became what was actually happening. Yeah. Like I just had to maintain that positive outlook because I could get real dark real real fast. Do you think you're different since the race? I, I do. I, I feel different. Like when I look at things now in terms of like doable or undoable, whether it's physical, business, whatever, I feel a shift in my mentality. How about this? We rode together last night. Yeah. We rode, you guys in this freaking Three Sisters trail. It's like, where, where are you guys going to ride? Three Sisters. Where are you guys going to ride? Three. Don't even ask you anymore. Know where yeah. you're riding. Nothing against it. It's great, right? It is actually a really fun trail. But last night we finished, and we get to the truck, and Andy and I had to leave. You guys had to go. You had dinner. And you go, Colin, let's go do Ranch View. I've never heard you say that at the not that you right. get to the end of rides and you're like wasted, right. but I've never heard you be the one that steps up and goes, dude, let's go do more. Yeah. And you did that last night. Yeah. And I don't know if you do that oftentimes on that ride, but you did that last night. And that's that's a new person. We had daylight. You know what there I mean? There was daylight left. Right. Yeah. Like it is that yeah. that seems maybe small. Like people listening would be like, okay, Whatever. so you want to ride right. some yeah. more. Yeah. But when when people do something that's uncharacteristically new yeah uh, it's either because they had a fire up their ass or that they're new people yeah. and i think that that could be yeah, reality. I, and i mean what do i usually do after a big event nothing <laughs> sorry <laughs> no <laughs> hey know for that a while know thyself <laughs> dude um nothing but i mean you know like i'm really really making an effort to to stay in it and like whether i i'm charging the way that i was leading up to breck epic i'm really really making that effort to stay in it and, well, and, and not ghost, you know, cause that's what I do. I finish a big event. I'm like, all right, done and dusted. Um, I need a cheeseburger and some video games. 
Yeah. In last week, you came to E3 and trained in gym yeah. more times last week than you have in the last three months. Yeah. Which yeah. is three days. You got all three days. I got all last three days then, yeah. You know? And so I, that's awesome you asked that question and you ask about it that way because these events do have the tendency to just kind of be like, oh, I did that thing. And yeah. then, yay. Um, but this could, this is, a, it's like stepping stone cool. I do feel a little, a little shift, you know, just in what my mentality is now. So anyway, um, I just had to ask that. Just I was curious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did it. Finished it. We killed it. Um, so here's what's <laughs> funny. They have all these festivities at the end of the race. They do all the awards. They play, They make these amazing videos. So if you guys have time to get on the Breck Epic website, they make recap videos of each of the days that are just it's just done really well. Like their AV department, it was sweet. Yeah, they killed and it. so they, they crush these videos. It's kind of cool to watch. Uh but we finished the whole thing, and they have like an after party um, at a, at a bar downtown, and they have bands, and they have all the stuff, and we all get done, and like, <laughs> we just wanted to go and just chill. Let's just go watch a movie. We just went and wanted to put on, and I don't even know if we ended up fully watching a movie or just like we chilled, like yeah. we just went and like let's just kick it. Yeah, we were all just kind of chilling out. Molly came up um, to hang out night of, um, which was it's kind of that same thing of like, you know, just. It was my little reward beyond, you know, a belt buckle and finishing the races. It was really nice to just have her come up and be there and and uh, kind of bask in, in it with me. Right. I don't know how much basking she was doing because it was just sitting in a, a gala room listening to a bunch of bike riders, but um, it was awesome to have her there. Um, so, yeah. so it comes down to this. Like, uh, we spent this many months working on this project, and uh, – and got this many people involved from people that supported us with equipment and, and supplements and all these things. Um, looking back on the on the whole time, fulfilled? All the way. 100%. 110% if it's even possible. I it's mean, not. It's not. It's, uh, it's 100, uh, 100 as much as you can go. <laughs> uh, fill this glass up 101%. Yeah. yeah. Fulfilled, though. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I had... There was just like with the race throughout the years there were, or throughout the, the year, the nine months or eight months leading up to it, um, there was high points and low points. Um, but the takeaway across the board is wildly fulfilled, super happy with what we did, super happy with how we did it. Um, and, you know, grateful to all the people who paid attention to it and were supportive in in whether it was in a direct way or an indirect way or just being willing to chat about it at every part of it was has been awesome and you know it's i'm excited to start playing in 2020 well that was gonna be my next question was <laughs> did did finishing this for you did it open any doors windows thoughts or ideas at all in this last week and a half or so. I mean, I'm not quite ready to dive into like what 2020 is though. I just yeah. made my plans about five hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> for 2020, but. Um, so I don't, yes, I, I, I feel like I can physically accomplish more than I think I can. And every time I've completed a big event, I've had that feeling, but this is a bigger feeling or bigger version of that. Um, so I've got some, some thoughts and plans, but I also have some, some doubts about that, you know, so a few months ago on a, an event that we did the, the, the Roxboro gravel event somewhere in the midst of all that, I got it back in my head that I wanted to do Leadville again. Um, 
and I most likely will if I can get in. But I don't know if it's going to be my A event. Like, there's a lot of cool shit here. Right. Um, and so I I definitely like being in that competitive environment. Even though I'm not super competitive, like, it it fuels me and feeds my my soul in a way. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't know what 2020, I, I got to look, you right. know. Uh, we got the Golden Giddy Up coming up, which is kind of our victory lap. It's just a fun day. And then I'm for sure doing Old Man Winter again. Right. And then beyond that, I... Maybe a very old 2020 year. Yeah. It's all very abstract right now. So um, do we want to wrap up with any takeaways? Do you have any takeaways to to summarize with? You know, my... my yeah. My final takeaway with the Breck Epic is that... Uh, Is that, uh, you know, we're just dudes. Yeah. And we're chasing this thing. Whether there are UCI pros there. You know what's so funny? Like this UCI pro, right? That wins. Yeah. Right? Keegan. Guys, an animal, right? Yeah. Dude, the three top three dudes, top five dudes, the whole podium for the UCI pros are all dudes like barely but out of 21, 22 years mm-hmm. old. Like super young dudes, right? Um, you're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat those guys. They don't have a job, right? Their job's riding bikes. It's hard to beat a guy whose job's riding bikes. And so sometimes you just need a reality check to step back and say, you know, maybe it's just about the bike. Mm-hmm. And contrary to Mr. Armstrong's book title, <laughs> sometimes it is just about the bike. Yeah. And sometimes it's just about the bike ride. And it's about the community and the people around it. Um, I haven't thought once about where I finished in that bike race. I haven't thought once about... What I would have finished if I had optimized time without the calamities. All I realized was I had a fucking ton of fun riding bikes. I had a ton of fun riding bikes on super dope trails with super dope people and not worrying about anything else. And uh, that was the best takeaway, the best like moment of reality was just chill, bro. Yeah. Ride the bike. Have some fun. And oh, by the way, while you're out there, figure out you can accomplish way more on a day-over-day-over-day basis you ever give yourself credit for? You got some sore legs today? So what? Ride your bike. Yeah. If you got the time and you got the ability, go ride the damn bike. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest kind of like warm feeling as I left Breck Epic driving back to Denver. Nice. So much so, we drove back on Sunday. I wanted to go ride my bike. Or Saturday, I wanted yeah. to go ride my bike. Yeah. I did it on Saturday. I just felt like it would have been almost offensive <laughs> <laughs> to like the people that were allowed me to ride, like my staff and all that. Yeah. So I rode on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I think my big takeaway was shit like this is what you make it. Um, because I had so many highs and lows throughout um, the whole week, it's all mentality. Um, so, you know, if you find yourself wanting to commit to one of these events, whether it's a 50 mile or 25 mile or, or six day, um, it's going to be a hundred percent what you allow it to be. And that was what got me through and shifted a little bit of my perspective. It, cause that translates to everything. And so, so that's where I'm at. I'm super happy we did it. I'm super glad that I chose to have a positive outlook, even when it was dark and nasty and, and grim. Um, and it was, to me, it was the perfect punctuation to a great season. 
And with that, season one, no ride around, in the books. Done. Look forward to see you guys season two in the next wild adventures for ourselves and the crazy people that keep us going. See where it takes us. Thanks for listening, guys. You're weak, you're done!